Space Cowboys is play that drug. Hey, welcome to Space Gab. This is Mike Coletta. It's the 23rd of December, 2020. Space Gab can be heard at www.spacegabpodcast.com. Well, I'll tell you, once again, I've got to say a lot has happened in space news this past week. When I last talked with you on Space Gab last week, we were waiting for the Chang'er 5 Chinese lunar return, the sample return mission to uh, to land. It was going to be coming through the atmosphere and landing, and we were hoping that all went well. It was about, I think I finished the podcast about about an hour and a half before the actual landing occurred, so then I was watching that after the podcast was posted, and wow, wow, it was awesome. Everything went just perfectly. Uh, I recorded quite a bit, and... I know, actually did kind of a video Space Gab podcast on my YouTube channel a couple times. And also, oh, that can be found at, uh, youtube.com slash Mike Coletta. youtube.com slash Mike Coletta. That's my YouTube channel. I only started it, um, not too long ago. And I, I think I have 11 videos. If you go down into the videos, the playlists, I've created some playlists. And actually, the Chang'er 5 has 11 videos in the playlist. And I've got already over 66,000 views on those videos. 66,000 just for those videos. Uh, I have other things on there too, but it's very popular. It was a very popular subject. A lot of people, the whole world was watching this event. And it w- worked flawlessly as, as it appeared. The um, the capsule came in for reentry, and there were some people that actually captured some of the reentry footage uh, as it was burning, uh, glowing in the atmosphere. And a bunch of people looked into that to see if it was an actual catch, because because actually there were some fake uh, pictures and videos on the internet, also on social media. People had faked this stuff trying to get views for because it was such a popular subject, uh, Chang'er Five, and uh, they. The people who are experts who are really into this kind of stuff, they requested more information, like what time, where are you located at, what kind of camera we're using, what was the, the time exactly, what they wanted to look at the star patterns that the, the path would have taken, and they pretty much uh, got rid of all the fakes. So there's about three or four really nice photos of the reentry, and then after reentry. I was watching videos from Chinese uh, television stations on the internet uh, showing the re, uh, the recovery crew getting ready, and then when I saw the recovery crew vehicle start moving, I started filming. I knew they must have landed, and sure enough, that's when the action started. They went out there to the event uh, where the capsule had landed. Uh, you could see one of the first ones. They used uh, infrared from a helicopter, infrared shot, and they had a little fox. There was a little fox was actually the, the first warm-blooded creature to uh, approach the capsule, the Chang'er 5 uh, return capsule. And uh, then the recovery crew uh, surrounded it and did their thing and recovered the capsule. And people through on the social media were following uh, this capsule being transported on a truck, a yellow, an orange truck. Um, I have a couple of videos that you can see of all that uh, that shows the, the fox being the first 
on the, on scene. Then you can see the recovery team going out there and the cover, the recovery of the capsule itself and things like that. So just go out to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Mike Coletta, and you can see some of those videos. Um, but I'll tell you, it was great. And then, uh, about a week later or a little, actually a little less than a week later, um, a few days actually later, I think they actually had a press conference that uh, they shared 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 the opening of the capsule to get the container that contained the samples. Then they had a press conference and they showed the container that had the samples in it. And they estimated uh, how how much sample they got. I think it was like six seventeen hundred and thirty one uh, kilograms. I think it was, but you'll see it on the video. I've got that press conference on the video, one of the videos. Uh, but yeah, so everything went fine. They're going to be sharing some of the samples. They're going to be putting it in a museum so that people can see it. But uh, the Chinese people were really celebrating this event. Uh, it was just a great success uh, for uh, the lunar landing mission. And uh, there'll be more. I'm going to talk about a little bit more about the Chinese uh, expected schedule in the near future. But that was a good success with uh, Chang'e 5 uh, making it back to Earth with the samples. And all is well. So check out those videos if you want to want to. You can see more about uh, what I talked about. And talking about a sample return mission, NASA and the ESA have uh, announced that they're going to be stepping up their next phase. It says NASA moves forward with campaign to return Mars samples to Earth. I guess they're putting together a plan uh, to bring some pristine samples back from Mars. Now the Mars 2020, the Perseverance rover that's on its way to Mars right now, which will be landing uh, not too long, uh, has plans on collecting samples of uh, the Martian surface and storing them. They were talking about either in uh, like tubes, uh, sealed tubes, or inside the rover itself. And what it'll do is it'll grab this material off the, the surface of Mars and preserve it for future missions to when they do come down that they can gather up the samples the, the Martian samples uh samples and return them to earth so that's all in the planning stages right now they just announced it a few days ago that they were going to be doing this and then you can read more at the NASA uh website about this but we'll see what happens they're they're talking about possibly leaving them in certain spots on the planet or just like I said, in the rover itself, and uh, future missions will go down, probably robotic missions uh, to begin with, and gather the samples and place them in some ascension module, and then ascend back and, and, and bring them back to Earth. So that'll be really interesting to follow when it does happen, but even more interesting in the, the near term will be the Mars 2020 uh, Perseverance rover as it arrives there at Mars and goes through what they call it was the second second seconds or seven minutes of terror. <laughs> so as it as we've seen in with past rovers also when it uh goes down to the planet's surface. But w- once it makes it down to the planet's surface, which we're hoping it does, it, it can provide lots of uh, scientific uh, data to us and uh, some great photos to be sharing with people who like that kind of stuff. And uh, we'll just wait and see what happens. And then eventually... Uh, samples from Mars coming back to Earth. Well, have you or did you see the great conjunction? 
as they're calling it, the great conjunction of 2020, where Jupiter and Saturn look like one planet. Well, from my vantage point, it never did look like one planet, but a lot of people were following this, a lot of photos. I've been following it for over a month, taking photos as it approached closer, and I've been sharing those um, with... um, a lot of the people on the Facebook and the Twitter, things like that. And I actually posted a few photos that show, uh, comparisons on when it, when it approached, when it got close, and then now when it's pulling more away. Now, from my vantage point, and I'm sure others, it actually looked closer, uh, before the 21st when all the, the, the conjunction was, was scheduled to happen, as they said. But I'm sure that probably the planets were the closest at that time. Just depending on where you were on Earth and looking up to see, uh, on the 19th, I had a photo, it almost looked like a snowman, <laughs> if you can picture that, with two snowballs on top of each other. But then the next day, on the 21st, actually was further, it was, it was like a, in the upper right-hand corner, pulled away from the planet Jupiter. But still, it was really cool to watch. And uh, I was sharing those and on, with comparisons and all that, but... Yeah, it's. Uh, if, I'm sure most people did see it. I know uh, we have a Facebook group here in the little apartment complex I live in, and a lot of people were outside watching it because of what I was posting. And they said, you know, wow, we thought it was more spectacular than that. We were looking at your photos, and I had to explain to them, well, my photos, I'm using a, a zoom uh, lens on the camera or my little telescope, and that's why I can see it better, and that's why the, sh- the pictures that the people I share with see it. And when they looked up now, it was like, they could barely see Saturn, and they could see Jupiter, but they were looking, they go, wow, I, I thought it was more spectacular. <laughs> well, it is spectacular if you think about what happened, but to just view it with the, the naked eye, it, it's a lot harder to see, but still was cool to watch. So hope you, if you did get to see it, I hope you enjoyed it. Axiom Space tells Houston all systems are go for the world's first commercial space station. I guess uh, they're going to be going uh, in Houston there. They're, they've got a 14-acre facility. They've, they're they going to be working uh, the first commercial space station project. So uh, that's in the news right now, and we'll see what happens with that. Space stations, you know, different countries. China had uh, space station. Russia had space station. We have space station. Uh, in, in more space stations, you know, he had, what was it, Bigelow, uh, aerospace, was I, or, or Bigelow, I know that for sure. They had, uh, two modules they were testing as a type inflated, inflatable space station, and they were testing those. I believe, I remember when I was tracking, uh, objects with the space fence, I would actually, uh, track those Bigelow inflatable, you know, uh, components, I guess they were they were just like compartments up there in space. They were just testing them out, and I think they were going to put one on the International Space Station. I can't remember if they did or not, but uh, so Axiom Space, they've gra- uh, grabbed a 14-acre plot in Houston to produce the first commercial space station. And earlier this week, there was reports that a leak in the International Space Station. Uh, they were searching for this leak. Uh, they were the you know pressure in the space station was dropping, and they they couldn't find uh, where this leak was occurring. Now, a, a, a leak prior to that was discovered 
and it was found and it was sealed. Well, this leak, it eluded the uh, cosmonauts. It was in, they think it was in the Russian uh, portion of the space station, and so the cosmonauts were looking for it. There was some, some concern uh, at first that, you know, the, the leak just kept you know, persisting. And they were saying, well, we might have to send some additional oxygen up there in February if this keeps going on. But I just got a report this morning saying that a Russian cosmonaut announced air pressure stabilization at the ISS. Monday, a work was accomplished in the leaking intermediate chamber of the Zvedda module to seal the place near the seam and pipeline of the thermal control system. So apparently they found where the leak was and they were sealing it and pressure has stabilized. So that's a good thing to hear. So right now, no more leak that they know of at the International Space Station. Well, you may remember last week I talked about the SpaceX Starship test uh, number SN8 where they, they launched and everything went well and it did its turnaround and it came back for landing and then kaboom, <laughs> it made a hard landing, but they were able to get a lot of data. Well, uh, SN9 was, yesterday it was rolled out of the high bay. Uh, they put together another uh, starship for SpaceX and uh, they were rolling it out with this you know, humongous crane and things were going slow there. They were actually uh, sharing uh, on my Twitter feed, I had uh, where they were sharing uh, some pictures with Space uh, Space Padre, or it's S P A D R E is the name on the Twitter account, and uh, he was sh- sharing some uh, photos that they were being taken as the crew was working, and they were working to bring that Starship SN9 from the high bay and place it on the launch pad. And that's what it was accomplished yesterday. So they, they've got the next SpaceX Starship uh, SN9 on the launch pad, ready for some testing, and eventually we'll see another launch of that. Something amusing I found on Twitter yesterday, they, these guys were sharing uh, some toy, a toy cruiser that they had ordered for Christmas. It's a lunar cruiser. And uh, funny, they found it that... Uh, the JAXA, the Japanese Space Agency logo was on the, on the side of this, this lunar cruiser. And I, I thought to myself, I go, could this be the handwriting on the wall? A lunar cruiser courtesy of the JAXA. Along with my previous retweet concerning China's lunar and deep space schedule, it just might be Japan's hopeful plans too. So they're selling these lunar cruisers with the, uh, Japanese space agency's logo on the side of it, and uh, hope hope for the future. And speaking of China's lunar and deep space exploration list, uh, I found a Twitter user that was sharing some information, and he actually uh, put up a chart showing the different years of the uh, possible future plans for China, and it. Uh, his chart goes from 2022 all the way to 2030. And they're talking about, he's got his, uh, like, Chang'er 7, uh, for 20, planned year 2022, lunar base test. Uh, in 2024, his, uh, Chang'er 6, uh, let's see, polar sampling, it says here. Uh, 2026, okay, that was 2024. 
the Chang Er six. Chang twenty twenty six Chang Er eight, a lunar base test once again. Uh twenty thirties, uh new spaceship, crew lunar base. Uh twenty twenty six, twenty twenty eight, uh Taiwan uh three, Mars sampling. There's a Mars sampling mission. And then it goes on from there. But I found that really interesting. It shows different projects, base projects that China is exploring. And if it's funded, it says if it's funded or, you know, what the mission is and things like that. But so the uh, plans, I'll tell you, uh, China is stepping up their game. Kennedy Space Center expands as Launch Complex 48 opens for operations. It says, after planning began in 2016 for a small multi-user launch pad at Kennedy Space Center in Florida, Launch Complex 48 is now ready to support small to medium lift launch vehicles. The complex is the first new launch pad built at Kennedy since the 1960s when the much larger LC-39A and B pads, which have hosted the Apollo Saturn 1B and 5 rockets, space shuttles, Ares 1 and 10, and Falcon 9 and Falcon Heavies were constructed. The 10-acre complex is situated about one mile southeast of Launch Complex 39 and one mile northwest of uh, SLC-41, home of United Launch Alliance Atlas V rocket. So they're expanding their launch uh, acreage. And, I, you know, I used to, uh, as I told you, I used to work for the and supporting the space launches. And I used to go out to uh, the Kennedy Space Center quite a bit, uh, Cape Canaveral out there, and venture around uh, di- di- different launch pads. It was kind of cool because there was there's a lot of launch facilities and different things that are abandoned out there, a lot of open space. And... Uh, the different launch pads you can still see, you know, if you're allowed in that, if you're allowed access to that, those areas, you can still see quite a bit of the old space, uh, programs still intact, but, you know, kind of falling apart. Some of the old cable traces, the cable lines, and some of the bunkhouses, and the bunkers, and some of the old facilities out there. So I used to wander around, uh, the different launch complexes, uh, mostly the abandoned ones. And some of the functional ones when I used to work on projects out there. But so now they're, uh, expanding with Launch Complex 48. Okay. Long March 8, a future reusable rocket conducts debut launch. China debuted the new Long March 8, Changzhiang 8, and I probably didn't pronounce that correctly. Sorry. Launch vehicle out of Wenchang on Tuesday. This vehicle marks China's move towards a reusable launch vehicle with the recovery of the first stage and side boosters planned for later. And, uh, wow. So now we see the reusable launch vehicles, uh, you know, theory and ideas, uh, which SpaceX, you know, is, you know, knocked it out of the park with that. More different countries are trying that also, save, saving some dollars. By using these uh, launch vehicles, uh, reusable launch vehicles, so it's kind of cool. Now, uh, there's other ways also talking about re- unreusable launch vehicles. Remember, I was talking about last time the Soyuz uh, 2.1B launch that uh, launched the OneWeb uh, satellites, 36 
satellites for OneWeb? Well, there was pictures shared on social media of one of the expendable stages that came down, and there's a whole crew. The recovery crew is, is uh, posing next to this stage, and luckily it, it landed uh, in an uninhabited area. Well, uninhabited except for probably animals and vegetation, uh, if you look at the pictures. But these launch stages, they launch and they just come down <laughs> wherever. But they, they do try to put them uh, where they come down. They launch where they come down in uninhabited areas. Uh, now, China, on the other hand, sometimes will launch and they'll warn the people. But sometimes their spent stages come down in populated areas. As we've seen videos and photos uh, of homes and things destroyed by rocket stages that have fallen from the sky after they've launched. Uh, in this case, it was just uh, this Soviet uh, Soyuz launch. A rocket stage landed in an uninhabited area. But but now I guess um, they're launching that long March 8, which they hope to use it as uh, reusable. That's great. Well, a Canadian space flyer will join three NASA crew members on the first piloted flight of the space launch system and Orion spacecraft around the moon, becoming the first non-U.S. citizen to fly on a lunar voyage. Says there will be a second flight opportunity for a Canadian astronaut on a later NASA mission to the International Gateway Station in orbit around the moon, once they get all that up there, if they get all that up there. Says NASA and the Canadian Space Agency announced the agreement for Canadian astronaut flights December 16th, as the agencies affirmed details of the Canada's contribution to the Gateway Station, which is intended to serve as a waypoint, spacecraft refueling station, and deep space research outpost in the vicinity of the moon. Now, no names have been uh, announced as far as the three American uh, astronauts who are going to be on that flight, or the Canadian astronaut who's going to be on that flight. That'll have to. It'll be coming later on. Well, NASA says the uh, SLS team completes propellant loading of core stage during green run test. The uh, space launch system is going through, you know, some tests and all that. And they did a, uh, a couple of tests prior to this, and I guess they stopped prior to the test being finished. So, well, it looks like this one also was stopped. Uh, let's see. It says, However, the test ended a few minutes short of a planned countdown duration. So that's that's what these things are for, testing. And they're going to continue testing these things, the Space Launch System and the Orion Capsule and all that, until uh, everything is a go. Okay, from Space News. The largest U.S. defense contractor, Lockheed Martin, announced Sunday it has inked a deal to acquire rocket engine manufacturer Aerojet Rocketdyne for $4.4 billion. Hmm. That's uh, a place, um, I believe it was in California, that did, well, I think, weren't they the ones that did this, some of the solid rocket booster work? I think so, but uh, Lockheed Martin's acquired them now. Happy birthday, first birthday, to the Space Force. It reached one year. And also, uh, talking about the Space Force, just recently, there was a swearing-in ceremony on the International Space Station. A colonel, uh, astronaut colonel, that's up there on the ISS, was uh, transferred from the Air Force to the Space Force. It says 
NASA astronaut and Air Force Colonel Mike Hopkins, currently in orbit on the International Space Station, swears in and transfers his service to the U.S. Space Force before witnesses. And that was televised, and there's some video about that. And uh, some people found that it's controversial that uh, they are, you know, swearing people in on this from the Air Force to the Space Force on the ISS. But he's still an astronaut. He was an astronaut. He was an Air Force astronaut when he went up to this space station. Now he's an Air Force or an, a Space Force astronaut uh, while he's on the uh, space station. So same thing. He's still an astronaut. They were saying that politics are involved and it's going to uh, impact the scientific community. I don't think it's going to impact the scientific community. I think science on the space station is going to just continue, and that's mostly what they do up there anyway. So uh, there you go. And I mentioned the uh, OneWeb uh, satellite launch earlier. Well, Roscosmos, they uh, had their Soyuz... Two dash or dot one B rocket launch the uh, one web thirty six one web satellites and I was watching the stream. Luckily, I was watching two streams, uh, the one web stream and the Roscosmos stream, and I found that the Roscosmos stream it froze just before launch and it just sat there, and so I, I switched over. Uh, I was videotaping the the live launch and I switched over to the one web stream and continue to watch the launch and I shared that that's one of the, the one of the videos I have uh, I think it's uh, in the uh, miscellaneous space uh, area on my YouTube site that uh, launch video but they froze up but yeah they they did launch the one web 36 uh, satellites uh, all was well and uh, that's it and after a previous scrub SpaceX successfully launched the NROL-108 mission for the National Reconnaissance Office, a classified satellite for that office, and all apparently went well. NASA awards Jeff Bezos' Blue Origin and its 301-foot-tall New Glenn rocket contract for future space missions starting in 20. 25 says, Jeff Bezos' Blue Origin is still one year from his first space flight to space. But NASA is confident it will be a success and has named the firm's new Glenn rocket as a potential provider for scientific missions. Hmm. NASA trust. Well, that's it for this Space Gab. Until next time. Play that drug. I play my music in 